Hey everyone, after more than 15 years in the business, I finally got a book published. If you want to do me the biggest favor in the whole world, please head over to MikeyOp.com and buy a copy. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com, and the book is named Ardor, and it's about psychics and the history and future of the universe. I wrote it, and I think you'll love it. Hi, this is Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, interviews with the living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week, we have Tina Irwin on the line. We're going to talk about things like psychics, and we're going to talk about ghosts and crossing over and the metaphysics of life. So without any further delays, Tina, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me. Absolutely. You were actually once in the Navy for 20 years. Do you want to get into that? Sure. You know, you talk about death. One of the jobs I had when I uh, was in the Navy and I worked for the submarine force was my job was the physical security of 86 submarines, nine submarine tenders, three submarine bases and the senior Jewish admiral in the Navy in a time when they were blowing up airplanes and all kinds of horrible things. And so I didn't know how to do the job. And I the thought of the death of all of these people became so overwhelming that it, it it consumes you because my husband was there, my friends were there, my friends' husbands were there. So what do you do to protect a hundred billion dollars in assets from terrorist attack? And you you work really hard. And that's what I did. And I worked with SEAL Team Six and I worked with a variety of submarines, and I asked them to be my beta testers, and I designed equipment that protected these incredibly important assets from terrorist attack. And the things that I put in place are still on these ships today. They're still on submarine tenders. When you go to a military base today, the things that that I put forth are there visibly to protect these assets. And I had a great time. And so how does that tie into like your work with ghosts and people crossing over and being a medium and all that? As time went on, I just discovered I was more and more and more psychic. I could see and feel things. And I was in the midst of, I had a flight to Sandia National Labs, um, you know, the next day I was leaving work in Norfolk and I was sitting in a stoplight and I got hit with the, the only way I can describe it is an energy wave. I mean, I've always been really psychic, but I didn't use it for the Navy other than to manage my crew. And I could see, the only way I can describe it is this massive wave of grief hit me like a tidal wave. And I had to pull over. I was at a stoplight. And I I talk about this in the book three of Ghost Stories from the Ghost Point of View. And this was such a terrible wave and I and finally it's like I pulled over and I closed my eyes you know you put your head in your hands and all of a sudden I can see this man standing there and he is in a shredded what must have been a brown suit but it was covered in blood and he's carrying the handle of a briefcase but the briefcase is blown away and all around him is debris and I can see this massive detail and I'll the grief that hit me was so staggering, I couldn't stop crying. It was this choking, crying. And he says, you're the one who's supposed to help us. And I'm thinking, I'm talking to a dead man. I'm in Norfolk. I don't know where he is. But I'm talking this conversation in my head. I'm a commander in the Navy. I don't understand how this is happening. And and I think it's maybe it's important for listeners to realize that sometimes when you have a psychic event, 
you're about as clueless as anybody else because it happens in such a dynamic way that you can't wrap your brain around it. And he said, see that little girl? She was four rows up from me. She had a red dress on. She didn't deserve to die this way. And he said, don't you see all this plane debris? Don't you see the plane? And I said, I, 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 I'm stuttering so badly. I, I, I can't see a plane. I, 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 I can see the debris. And I, I, he said, you have to help us. And I didn't understand that I was seeing a future event. And in seeing this future event, and I am not the only person that's ever seen a plane crash. Throughout, since we've had aviation, people have seen plane crashes. People have been able to foresee something happening in the future. And it had happened to me numerous times, but nothing like this. And I saw these, and I saw these people, and I couldn't understand what it was. But I knew that this a 747 crashed. This is what I was able to pick out of this moment. And I was so distraught from the grief of over 200 people that were on Pan Am 103 that blew up over Lockerbie, Scotland. The premonition was in January of 1988. That plane didn't blow up till December of 1988. And you can't cross over a person who hasn't died yet. Only in 1988, I didn't know how to cross over the dead. And I couldn't cross, I couldn't have crossed him over because he hadn't died yet. He didn't tell me what plane he was on. He didn't tell me what airline. I didn't think to ask because I thought the plane crash had already happened. And so it, it's a, it was, so, it, it affects me to this day. And, and so the question, what, when it, when the plane blew up, I was talking to my mother and I, she said, I wonder what happened to that plane. Oh, I said, well, Abu Jinal put a bomb on that plane and it blew the plane up. She said, how can you possibly know that? And I said, because it's my job to know that. I understand terrorism. That's what this was. And because of my job with the submarine force, I was in resonance with elements of the terrorist world because I had to understand it. It's like a doctor has to understand viruses and bacteria to be able to heal it or to protect you from it. So if you study how to protect an asset from an attack, whether it's domestic terrorism or foreign then you're in resonance with those that those areas of knowledge, and because that was my resonance at the moment. Yeah, and I and I more than understand what you're talking about. I've um, researched psychics a lot for a novel I wrote, and then I've just in general, you know, always been fascinated by all of this. And so, I mean, the most natural question I want to ask anyone like you is, how do you believe? free will and predeterminism work since being psychic is kind of about both because if you're going to see the future it means the future's already decided but then if you can do something about it or it's affecting you then it would also beg that there's some sort of free will involved so how do you face that that binary difficulty if you will hey everybody i just want to thank you so much for listening to the show our numbers keep growing and we have a premium package and it would really help us out if some of you loyal fans would head over there and sign up you get bonus monthly podcasts you get a book i wrote and you also get extra essays and other content so please head over to mikeyop.com that's m-i-k-e-y-o-p-p.com and sign up today i think that's a great question the answer to that is that there are two kinds of premonitions. There's the kind that is so dynamic that it echoes forward and backward in time. And that's why that's why people saw the Titanic was going to sink. There, there were many, many, many people saw the Titanic was going to sink. Um, 
many people probably thought, you know, TWA Flight 800 was going to crash. I didn't feel that one, but I felt Pan Am 103. And when an event of this magnitude happens, it has an echo forward and backward in time. But let's take a different example of premonition. And a premonition can come and hit you like a brick, like it did me, or it can come to you in dreams. And when I was, I, I had been married about a year to my husband. I've been married almost 50 years now. When we were first married, I kept having this dream of this car crash over and over and over. And every night I'd get another piece. And about, about by about the third night, I realized this is not a dream. This is a premonition. So I'm in my early 20s. I don't understand this. I mean, I've been studying metaphysics all my life. I kind of realized this is a premonition, but I didn't have as much knowledge as I would say have today. And every night I go to sleep and, and I get more puzzle pieces. This is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is how it's going to take place. And, and it's a car crash. I mean, am I in the crash? Is it somebody I love? What's going to happen? And night after night, someone would put another clue it's like they put another clue on the table. It's like putting another card on the table and another card on the table. And finally, I realized that my husband was going to die in the car crash and that he was sick. It was raining. He hadn't paid attention. He was going Christmas shopping. And one of the nights he came home, he said, I'm going Christmas shopping for you Saturday. The submarine leaves next week and I don't have anything for you. So I have it all picked out. I'm going to shop for you. And I kept saying, you know, I don't, I don't think I need anything. I don't, I, and he said, no, 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 no. I'm going to shop for you. It's like, okay. And he drove a green 240Z, a 1972 green 240Z. And in this dream, it's the Z that's totaled. And I can see him standing next to the car crying in the rain. And I can see all of this unfolding. And, and each day I wake up, am I going to be a widow today? Can I stop this? Why are they showing this to me? Is today the day I'm going to, my husband's going to die? I haven't been married very long. This can't be happening. So finally on Friday, he, he talks to me throughout the day. I'm so excited. I'm going shopping for you. And at three o'clock, we have this great conversation. And then I left work at, at five and I came back to our home and he should have been there, but time passed. He didn't come and I'm, and I'm getting very worried. Finally, I hear the whine of a 240Z. It came down the road and it parked and he didn't get out of the car. And, you know, 10 minutes went by, he didn't get out of the car. So finally I go over and he gets out of the car. He was so incredibly sick. He could barely stand up. So I helped him in the house and I said, my God, what happened to you? And he said, you know, the freaking corpsman decided to shoot the crew with about five or six massive vaccines. The entire crew is so sick. He couldn't stand up. I barely got him to bed. And so I get him to bed and, and give him stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, so he was going to go shopping and he's sick. I don't need to know if the accident happens. So the next morning he gets up and he, he gets dressed and he shaves. And I said, you're not going anywhere. You can't leave the house. And he said, I have to shop for you. And I said, I've been having some dreams. Let me tell you about them. And he said, so you mean I shouldn't leave the house? And I said, no, because if you leave the house, you will die tonight. I really don't want to be a widow. We have a lot to do together. And he went back to bed, slept the next day, had nothing to give me on Christmas and went to see the following week. And I was thrilled because that was the greatest gift was his life. And so in that case, and this has happened repeatedly, that I was able to see something coming and I could stop it. And so people, and I, I used to say, you know, who could possibly call this a gift? You have psychic ability at this level. Why would you call this the gift? Because it, it just rips your heart out. 
It's an ability. It's an ability. You earn it and you're responsible for it. I couldn't give it back, but I could use it to save my husband's life. And, and I actually used it to save my, one of my brother's lives as well. I'd love to just kind of get you to extrapolate a little bit more on um, when you said you earn it. Do you mean in, in a metaphysical sense or do you mean like here in the earthly realm as, as Tina? Like how did you earn it? Well, we live life after life for experience. And if you develop psychic ability over time, you come back life after life and you have greater and greater levels of ability. Every human being is psychic, every single one of us. If you weren't psychic, you couldn't drive a car. And you have to be able to sense what a driver's doing. The best parents, men and women, can sense or feel or know their children. The best submariners, and I have amazing submarine stories that I could share on they knew something was coming stories. And that psychic ability keeps you alive. You that that feeling, that sixth sense. And and I would say the vast majority of people recognize it on a subtle level, listen to it. They don't talk about it, especially men. I, I have a deep and abiding respect for submariners. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how much I admire these men. And now there are a few women who are aboard submarines. The element of it is that if you work to develop your psychic ability for the service of others, you don't abuse it. You don't fool people or trick people. You have a genuine desire to do service for others. You are given greater ability over time. I would just wake up with some new ability. This happened to me over and over and over and over. Oh, today you can remove you. Oh, now you're getting premonitions. Oh, you can hear what's going on. Oh, and, and, and it happens. So I earned this over time by also maintaining your ethics and obeying spiritual law. <laughs> you, you do not want to mess with spiritual law. It, it is it's not something you want to violate because the ethics of how you deal with the ability that you have determines a lot. And the karma of a psychic who knows the law is magnified by a hundred times that of the average person who doesn't understand the, the power and the accountability that you're responsible for with psychic ability. I have to ask the most paradoxical question of all. So the way my, my metaphysical philosophy works is pretty similar, and especially the part you said about we're here to get experience. Like, I just really think that's what we're doing, is, is I've thought a lot about this, and like, you can't have good without bad, you can't have bad without good, so we're experiencing both because that is exciting, and it's interesting, and it has a purpose. So, with that said, and again, this is paradoxical and weird, but couldn't it perhaps be an experience to be a psychic who then doesn't use it responsibly and then has to see the karmic reaction to that irresponsible use of it? Like, isn't that in itself just an experience as well? Absolutely. That's 100% correct. So you sound like a peaceful person. I believe you are at peace. So how can people make peace with the present that is already the karmic consequence? If you find yourself in a, a lousy situation and you feel like you're a victim, that's one way to look at it as the human you are in that moment. But if you look at it as a multi-life humanoid with, with experiences and karma, then it would look very differently. So how do you how do you talk about that to other people and yourself, I guess? Well, I wrote three books on it. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is Soul Evolution. So let's look at that one. It's called Soul Evolution, Past Lives and Karmic Ties, exactly what you're discussing. The way it works is, yes, we come here for experiences. And sometimes we are an experience for another person. And 
karma is a law of physics. It's the law of consequences. Again, it is a spiritual law. But you can go lifetimes and not have a clue that there is such a thing as karma or spiritual law or the law of consequences. You don't have to know any of that. It depends on what you want from your life. Let's say that you are a victim and we have a jaw-dropping number of sexual abuses that take place in this country and anywhere in the world every day. That is extraordinarily detrimental to a soul. I cannot begin to convey to you. Half, I would say over half my clients were sexually abused. And so that client wants to understand their life. So I'll give you an example of, of one person who had many, many sexual abuses as a child. And then she decided she did not want children this life because she didn't want to have anything happen to a child based on what happened to her. She wanted to understand her life, how she fit into it, and how to work off the karma that she was living as the best person she possibly could. So now you have a person who is terribly abused, who genuinely wants to learn, who put her money where her mouth was for years and studied and studied and worked and learned and moved forward and is still learning. She became and is becoming a different person. She took what happened to her, made a conscious decision to make sure it didn't happen to a child until she felt like a more responsible person. And perhaps in the next life, she could have a child, but not this one. And so to get back to your question, if you reach a level of awareness about what you're here for, then you make enormous spiritual progress. But there's another element to this that I want to go back to sexual abuse. And that is when that trauma happens, it causes bits and pieces of a soul to be shaved off. And every time that happens in life after life, if that person doesn't work hard like this, this really remarkable woman did to heal this in this lifetime and make enormous progress, then over time, you come back as a serial killer. You might come back starting as maybe a narcissist or borderline personality or an immature personality disorder, starts with personality disorders, and then it moves into psychoses until it becomes pathologies. And it's as if bits and pieces of their soul are just completely missing. Is there an end to this part of the cycle? I'm not going to pretend that I understand like any epicycles beyond this, but this idea of like returning life after life after life and both being an experiencer and being the experience for someone else. Is there an end to that? Yes. And I want people to know where this information comes from. I'm not going to say, oh, my spirit guides told me. <laughs> my guys, my team said, read this book. And somebody appeared one day and handed me this book and said, I was, I was told in a dream to give you this book. This happened to me over and over. The book is called The Urantia Book. U-R-A-N-T-I-A. The Urantia Book. It's in every language on earth. It's written by multiple beings who are not from this planet. It is 2,095 pages of paper-thin paper, and it discusses how the universe is organized, and they discussed, they discussed the process of reincarnation. Yes, it's life after life of experiences, and each life that you do more service, you get the next life, you get to do more and more until you have reached a point where the experiences that you have had have enabled you to have this expansion of mind and this astonishing and profound love of humanity. You hear a lot of people say, oh, God, I hope this is my last life. 
but a person for whom it is their last life would be grieving terribly because their love of humanity is so great. They want to always be here to be of service. But there are there does come a point when it's someone else's turn to fill that spot. And you enter what's called the core of the final lighters. And you enter the, the final, F-I-N-A-L-L-I-G-H-T-E-R-S, the final lighters. And you go to a different realm of the heaven world, the fifth dimension, and you learn all new things. And you're given incredibly new and diverse missions or you study. And it's an astonishing opportunity. But you will grieve the humanity that you left because you have become more Christ-like in your love and compassion for humanity. Does that answer your question? It not only answers my question, but you're the first guest ever in the history of the show that I didn't have to literally say, what do you think happens when you die? You not only answered it and went further than anyone's ever ventured to go, but it also got me to ask a question I've never gotten to ask anyone, which is, um, since you seem to have so many quality answers to these you know, incredibly metaphysical is the best word I can come up with. Uh, questions. Why is this truth scattered, misinformed, changed, and also not believed? And and then even furthermore, my main question would just be, it seems like what you're talking about is hidden and it's not like readily available at birth or at the wakingness of consciousness. Is that by plan? And if it is by plan, then why would it also be available in this book? Well, plan is a is a is a challenging word because if i could go back just a little bit more for those who are deeply into the 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 pure the study of the purest elements of metaphysics which is the physics behind life period i again refer to the urantia book and the study of the lucifer rebellion there are many there are many planets in this this is an exceedingly important point to understand. So I've, I can expand on this because most people don't ask me these questions. <laughs> it's actually very fun for me. <laughs> We've heard the phrase, in God's house, there are many mansions. Well, in, there are seven super universes. We're in one of them. This is an evolving universe. And there are many planets. There are many worlds where we don't have this level of violence, and it feels like people make 10 minutes of spiritual progress a lifetime, which is what the Pleiadians think, if we're lucky. But it's like, as an example, on a Pleiadian world, they their evolution is so much farther beyond what we are. So with all that said, you've talked about your psychic experiences, you've talked about the metaphysics, the physics behind the physics, and you've talked about life after death, and even life after the end of these lives, we kind of just like to give our guests the floor. So what would be the message you would want to deliver to our audience? If there's one takeaway that you want people to hear from you, Tina Irwin, Ghost Hunter, and Psychic, what would that be? That love is the answer. When Christ walks the earth, his was always a message of the most profound love and compassion for humanity. He didn't care who you were or what you did. There was always compassion at the forefront. And as a psychic, my focus is, is teaching the living to help the dead. Cross over your loved ones. Make sure they're in the heaven world. And I, I wrote the crossing over prayer for that purpose. Because you shouldn't have to pay a psychic to help your loved one find peace. And this is especially true of murder and suicide. They deal with some very, very heavy things. At the same time, the crossing over prayer book gives you the correct prayers to say 
that enables you to communicate directly to God. It's the priesthood of all believers to feel that if you want to fill your life with the light of Christ consciousness, and there's nothing to fear in, in the darkest moments, love is the answer. Love is the power that each of us have that we can communicate with another. For some people, they have no family left. They might just have a pet. All right, then the love that you share with this animal, there is an energy and a power to that love. And it means something. If it were not for this love, this world would have descended into complete and utter darkness long before now. But when you see a natural disaster, the first thing you feel is empathy for the other people in those countries, especially Turkey and Romania right now with all those earthquakes and people who are in floods or landslides. When we love, light comes on inside of us. It's like it starts to rebuild our very stem cells. It is that spark in us that is God. That is the message. Love with all of your heart. If you're a person who is Buddhist, be the very best you can be. If you're Jewish or Hindu, it doesn't matter what faith you were born into or you believe. Every single faith believes in love. And that is the answer. I love it. I absolutely love it. I agree a thousandfold. I'm so glad that we got to meet and that I get to have you on my podcast. There's a lot of people who feel what you feel and say what you say, and they try their best to help other people. But you have that amazing background. You have that, like, I was planning against terrorist attacks and I worked in the Navy. Like, you just have these two, what are usually not found together components of your human qualities. And, and I love it. And I'm so thankful for it. You're so eloquent and so good at explaining. Thank you so much, Tina Irwin, for coming on our show. There will be links in the notes to find her books if you want to support our show just continue to head over to mikeyop.com that's m-i-k-e-y o-p-p.com sign up for our free weekly newsletter and if you want to go the extra mile sign up for the premium package we'd love that as well and from my heart to yours and with much much love from me to you and to the universe this is mike oppenheim you have been listening to coffin talk and we will see you soon